everybody welcome back to we are the batman my name is mike and this is matthew and uh we're gonna we're gonna break down some news we had some questions and answers that came to uh you got to us from you guys before we get to that it's just man news there's so much news got to get into some of this news matthew um where god where do you even want to start with the good or with the bad let's start with the bad so we end with the good even though i don't know if there's okay. any good so let's just see what there's happens a little bit of good. There's, there's one piece of good we'll, we'll end with that one piece of good okay. um so let's let's start off by just um you know short and sweet um um ezra miller still a problem uh still a big problem <laughs> are we surprised at this point <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Uh, what I, what I'm, I'm not even surprised by anything of the bad that we're going to talk about. I'm more just disappointed. Um, but yeah, Ezra Miller has been charged with uh, in numerous, uh, numerous crimes, uh, breaking and entering. Um, it, it just it keeps it keeps racking up. He starts uh, felony burglary in Vermont. He um, was uh, at like five in the afternoon and. Um, it just yeah it it this is this is now this is from one that happened back in uh may and he's finally been officially charged as of uh this week and it's just you know given everything else that we're about to talk about um the, the flash movie still on the table and um uh, i just i don't know man I, I at this point i don't care i don't at this point i don't care if this movie comes out or not i i'm just like this is where I cannot believe that somebody from Warner brothers hasn't been sent to this guy to hunt him down. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no way somebody hasn't been like, guys go freaking get him (laughs) and lock him somewhere. Do (laughs) something to keep this guy out of the news for at least 10 minutes. So we could release his freaking movie that he'll never be in anything ever again. I mean, or, you know, I, I mentioned it before. I'll say it again. Like, I think he's out. I think that's why they moved it back. I think that's why he wasn't at Comic-Con. I think that's why they didn't bother anything at Comic-Con. I think he's out and they just haven't announced it yet. And and him being out kind of ties into some of the other stuff that we're going to get into because there's been rumors of um, new sets of reshoots happening on several movies. Uh, we briefly talked about this, but... You know, it was confirmed that Jason by Jason Momoa that Ben Affleck has been on the set of Aquaman 2 shooting shooting scenes as Batman. We know that he was supposed to show up in um, in Batgirl at some point. We know he was supposed to show up in the that he has already shot scenes to be in the Flash at some point. Um, All of this stuff kind of seems tied into the idea that, yeah, they were going to they were going to re reset things with the flash. And it seems like Michael Keaton was kind of, kind of come back and replace Ben Affleck as older Batman. Um, now it seems like they're abandoning that. And that's why I think that maybe because Michael Keaton had also shot scenes for Aquaman too. So I think that now they're, they're stepping back on there. The flash is going to reset everything plan. And um, maybe we're seeing some semblance of the Snyderverse coming back. I don't know. It's too soon to tell. But the bread the breadcrumbs are starting to lead that way, I think. But ultimately, the big problem here is just Ezra Miller. And I think that this is the slow burn way of them saying that he's out. But the fact that it hasn't been made official yet is kind of infuriating. 
And they're not going to make anything official. If it's anything that we've seen over the last several years with anything to do with Warner Brothers, they don't get ahead of a damn thing. (laughs) No, they don't. Um, Speaking of not being ahead on things, um, so as we know, as we did a big episode about, they uh, canceled the uh, Batgirl movie saying that they just had no faith in it and they're trying to recover some costs. And so their plan was to cancel it, not release it, write it off on their taxes. And the numbers came out that they were only expected to make about 10 to 20 million in this tax write off. Now it has not been clear if that was going to be 10 to 20 million in profit or if they were just going to bring in 10 to 20 million and offset as much of the cost as they could, that part's not clear. Um, but the other side, which is not a lot of money in the grand scheme of, of, of no, this machine, no, no. but what's even, what makes that even more curious is the fact that so Batgirl, the, the current cut of Batgirl as it is, was test screened at the same time as black Adam and Shazam too. And they all tested the same. So, it just it continues to raise those questions of okay so then why this movie why was this the one that got axed if it was testing the same as the other two that are coming out which from the looks of things had far bigger budgets why was this the one that was getting axed especially for 10 to 20 million dollars in just in just income whether it's a profit or just general income it it just again it just keeps me scratching my head about this Matt. Yeah, it, it doesn't it it's uh it's just one of those where the more information we get the less I think what they're saying is true. Yeah. You know, you know, we don't know who these test audience yeah, we don't know who these test audiences are. We don't know how much of this is real or not and I'm not saying that someone's going to lie per se, but you know, you just you just do have to get to that moment of like, again, Warner Brothers, come out and say something. Yeah. Respond to this stuff. Hey, you know what? That's not actually true. This is what we're doing. We're going to reset. I mean, you know, as bad as it sounds, maybe Michael Keaton just sucked. You know, something about what he was doing didn't work for him. Maybe that's why Batgirl's done. Like it was, it may be a one-two combo. It also may be why suddenly Ben Affleck's coming doing Batman stuff. We don't know. You know why we don't know? Because Warner Brothers isn't saying shit. Yeah. Once again, like we said when this story first broke is like, they've got to stop playing things so damn close to the chest. Like, just just be honest. Again, part of what has led to, and I, I don't like to be the guy that compares Marvel to DC, but part of what has led to the MCU success is they have been upfront and honest about when things haven't been working. I mean, it when they, when they're like, hey, look, this, this just, it just wasn't working, or this didn't work, or we couldn't make this happen. It's like, people are far more likely to respond well to you when you are open and honest about the shortcomings rather than trying to treat us like we're all stupid. Yeah, and then and they're that's just they're doing. And if somebody's problematic, they they switch them out. You know, we have two different roads. We have two different Bruce Banners. Yeah. You know, we have three and, different Bruce Banners. Technically, that's part of the because originally yeah. they they were trying they were going to try to try to tie in uh, the first Hulk because it kind of it kind of does, but technically not. Like yeah. technically, the Incredible Hulk's a reboot, but you could you could lie to me and tell me that they're tied, and I and you could make that you could make that believable. But still, yeah, we've got 
multiple you got multiple uh, uh bruce banners multiple roadies um it, it, we've it's it's been done before we've cast and recast things before um yeah. even you know dc's no different i mean god we had four batmans in this or three different batmans in the same universe at one point we had yeah. uh, uh michael keaton and george clooney and val kilmer so yeah. it well and like anybody's going to be upset if you guys went you know what we brought in Dylan O'Brien. He's the new Flash. <laughs> cool. With it. Fine with it. Like it's not like anybody is like Ezra Miller's the best Flash ever. You know. Well, that, and now that they know, he was and he was fine. He was fine in in the stuff that we got him with. He wasn't bad by any means, stretch of the imagination. But you know, hey, now they're canceling the Flash TV show. Maybe we can finally just get Grant Gustin in there. Like it kind of should have always been from the get go. But you know, it is what it is. Um, correct. Correct. And uh, so. Again, it just it just the more we find out about Batgirl and and how it seemed to be going and, um, you know, we had a couple of production stills get tweeted out by the directors and, and like that Michael Keaton suit looked good. It looked good. Um, so but that also takes me then into this other piece of news that came out about Warner Bros. Discovery. They hadn't they did an earnings call with a bunch of people talking about kind of their plans, like what they're currently planning going forward. And um, it got leaked. Somebody screenshot it and leaked it. And, and man, does it scream problematic for a couple different reasons. Um, so one of the things they focused on was, was the, their global powerhouse, which they broke down into brands, franchises, um, iconic series and characters and their international market. Now, the brands that they're focusing on are HBO, Discovery, CNN, HGTV, Cartoon Network, DC, and Looney Tunes, which kind of, which makes sense in the grand scheme of things. When you look at H, when you look at Warner Brothers content, Discovery content, like, yeah, those, those seven brands, that makes all the sense in the world. Uh, so nothing so much with that. Where it starts getting weird is we get into the franchises breakdown of this. Like, this is just getting more and more specific. So the franchises they want to focus on are Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman, which, okay. I get it. Cool. Yeah, it makes sense. Your big three. Um, Shark Week, <laughs> specifically okay. Shark Week, which I love Shark Week. Don't get me wrong, but okay. Game of Thrones makes sense. Uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Okay, I get it. It's a big product. It, you know, the one on this franchise list that confuses the hell out of me and everybody is one, and I swear to God, this is what the graphic says 90 Day Fiance Universe. I mean, I don't watch it, but there are people out there that eat that crap up, man. I don't watch it, but I'm wondering where the universe part comes into all this. Like, what what universe? It's a it's it's a show. What? I don't know, but okay. Then we'll find you get, out soon. <laughs> then you get to their iconic series and characters, and and this is where it's really bizarre because the ones they have listed are Friends, Fixer Upper. The Big Bang Theory, Property Brothers, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, and Sex in the City. I mean... Can I, can, can I just say, as a white man, that is the whitest list of shows I've ever heard of in my life. Like, that is so basic, I can smell the pumpkin spice lattes. Yes. Okay? Yes. It, it is, I mean, just wow. First of all, Friends, been off the air for years. Big Bang Theory, been off the air for several years now. Sex in the City, been off the air for years now. Fixer Upper, Property Brothers, and Diners, Drivers, and Dives are the only three of those that are still on the air. Yeah, but 
everybody watches Friends. They, I know they do. But the, that, the part that's weird about that, though, is that's over on Peacock. Is you it? know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, yeah. It was, yeah, it's on Peacock. It was an NBC show. Well, it's so a I Warner Brothers I, show, too. Yes, yeah, so I don't I don't know how that's going to fall uh, with any of this. And then last, we have the, the, the international section. I, I don't know any, any of these, but it's like TVN. Eurosport, Discovery Kids, uh, Discovery is uh, the, just brands that I'm not familiar with, so I really can't speak on those. Um, that's not really the problematic side of this, though. The problematic was then their uh, demographic breakdown, which came up, which was breaking down the two streaming platforms, HBO Max and Discovery Plus. This is where it got people, including me, a little, a little pissed off. So under the HBO Max bubble, they say male skew, scripted, lean-in, appointment viewing, home of quote-unquote fandoms. And Discovery Plus, they said female skew, unscripted, lean-back, comfort viewing, home of quote-unquote genre-dums. And, and I have so many thoughts, Matt. I don't know about you. What, 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 do, you, what do you think of this? I mean, it's not wrong. You know, like, I mean, if, if they're leaning towards your Harry Potter, you're leaning towards your superheroes, you're leaning toward your um, your Game of Thrones. I mean, that those are all pretty loud, obnoxious, crazy fandoms that you're leaning on. It's, but, it's, uh, not, it's not the fandom part of that that I but think. the male thing yeah. is a little weird. Calling either one of these male skew or female skew. Now, now, yes, you can look at demographic numbers and see that, like, yes, the, they may be the simple majority of one watches it more than the other. Sure. But like, like for, for me on a personal level, like so many of my friends, as well as the other content that I ingest, whether it's on YouTube or podcasts, so many of my favorite geek people are women nowadays because there's it's such, there's so many more of them now and they're doing such great job, but also with the discovery plus thing being female skew, like, and I'm gonna get a little personal with this, but some of my favorite memories with my dad, particularly that last year that he was alive, he and I would just sit upstairs all day and watch Food Network and HGTV. We'd watch Fixer Upper. We'd watch Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives and all that stuff because it because it is it is comfort viewing. And it's just – but it's like to say that like, oh, that's all female skew stuff. No, it's not. Like I, I know so many men that love watching that show. And to, and to to break it down into something as simple as that just kind of makes me feel like do does Warner Brothers Discovery really have their finger on the pulse with this? Because it kind of feels like they're doing a fire sale on all of this to start over, and nothing ma- breaks that down better, all of this down better than this clip from John Oliver's show on Sunday on last week tonight. Did you see this clip I posted on Twitter? I did not know. I missed it. So he was doing a show. His episode was all about uh, just just kind of understanding like what monkeypox is. And he was talking about how we had a whole bunch of monkeypox vaccines ready to go, ready to go out, and we just kind of let them expire. And in the midst of this, he he makes a reference to the current habits of Warner Bros. Discovery, which I would like to play for you all now. We let the vaccine sit unused on a shelf in our reserves like an expired Chobani or a $90 million movie on HBO Max. By the way, uh, hi there, new business. Seems like you're doing a really great job. I do get the vague sense that you're burning down my network for the insurance money, but I'm sure that that'll all pass. So, at one time, we have... 
it's yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and John Oliver has never shied away from criticizing business daddy, which I am all in favor of. But yeah, I mean, that that is kind of the feeling we're getting right now was like they're just kind of going scorched earth on everything. And it doesn't make anybody feel that good. No, no. It, 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 and it should not. It, this is it's it is. Uh, yeah. If I was part of any other production besides something with Batman in it, I'd be freaking out. Well, and and somebody and I'm trying to I, I don't know if it was um, um, I'm trying to remember who it was that brought this up on Twitter and I saw it and I loved it and I'm trying to find the tweet, but I can't now. But they said um, I don't know if it was Michael Vogel, uh, but it said that, you know, Warner Brothers is doing themselves a lot of harm in the long run because any other like filmmaker that's looking at how they're handling things right now is probably thinking um i'm sorry it was it was uh, variety that shared this they said uh from a public relations perspective the batgirl move was a huge blunder for all of zaslov's report reported efforts to woo talent how many a-list filmmakers will be eager to work with a studio that canceled a movie so close to the finish line and it's like yeah no one's gonna want to work with you if this is how you're handling your projects yeah so well, and, and you got to think that, you know, you, let's not forget that a little over a year ago, um, you know, Nolan basically gave them the finger when they went. Yeah, he, he was like, you guys are releasing old. movies in streaming instead of on the Internet on, on in theater. And he was just like, this is dumb. So you already got people worried about that as it is. Yeah, because his new movie, um, um, Oppenheimer, which comes out next year, it's about it's about J. Robert Oppenheimer. Um, is the first movie he's done, I think, since Memento that's not going to be released through Warner Brothers. Yeah. Because um, uh, Jeff Snyder, who is uh, over at um, The Ankler, was talking about this today on Twitter where he said that um, the uh, they're getting ready to move. What's their current movie that's out, uh, that's out right now? Um, they're getting ready to move something over to HBO Max. And it's like, but it's like currently one of like the highest box office movies in theaters right now if you move it to hbo max now like let it stay in theaters while it's still making money yeah just let it keep making money and again it just goes to this whole like how are you gonna know if something's gonna make you money if you don't put it out or you don't leave it out or you don't leave it out yeah again we said this last time like just put out a trailer put out a trailer for batgirl and see if people love it um, cause you never know if someone's going to love something. You never know how much they're going to love something. Uh, Marvel had that with, with season one of daredevil on Netflix. They didn't know how much it was going to love. People were going to love it until it broke Netflix. Yeah. Case in point going, speaking of Netflix, um, and, and surprising things, uh, to end with some good news, the Sandman, which dropped on Netflix last week, which we're going to review once Matt's had a chance to watch the whole thing. I've already seen the whole thing and I'll save my thoughts for when it comes out, but it is currently the number one streaming series on Netflix. Like, like globally that is like by a lot too. They actually released the numbers for it and it's the number one streaming show on Netflix by a lot. And I mean, that's great news because that, but that also furthers the point of here is something that has been in development hell for like 10 years that is got a very strong cult following, but is not a like zeitgeist covering property with DC that they just put out on Netflix and it is crushing. 
with fans, with viewers? Well, it's got a good fandom. And the thing for me, I think personally, I think people are getting tired of franchises and not like franchises as a series of movies, but like, you know, we've all been here when, when what's it called? <clears throat> the MCU happened, but yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to have to watch 80 shows to just pick up a, a Netflix show. I don't want to yeah. look at, you know, superheroes per se. And I think that's where you got is this, this is, this is not superheroes. You're not going to get the standard bashing, blah, blah, blah. And it stands alone and it's on Netflix and it's bingeable and everybody loves it. So yeah, I think it's a recipe for, for definite success of, and stuff they've had like with stranger things or some of the other shows that were original that they've done. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm very curious to see what you're going to think when you, when you see the whole thing, I know you've watched the first episode. We talked about that on the phone earlier. I can't wait for you to see the whole thing and hear what you think, but that's, I think that's a good piece of good news to end our, our news chunk of the show on with the fact that this, uh, lesser known, but still very popular, uh, development hell project has finally been released and people love it so much that it's crushing everything else on netflix and uh given that all the current slew of bad news that warner brothers discovery is having that is a nice little glimmer of a silver lining to have as we get ready to go into our question and answer chunk of of the show uh that we have put off for far too long because we recorded it several weeks ago and then the world, the, the sky started falling over at Warner Brothers. So, um, yeah, Matt, are you ready to give these guys their uh, their Q and A show? Let's do it. All right, let's uh, let's do it for you guys. It's going to be instantaneous, and we're going to go ahead and cut over to ourselves answering your questions. And uh, today we're going to actually be answering some of your questions that have come our way and uh, taking some time just to give, you know, just talk some Batman without any real theme or, or plot. Just, just you guys wanted to know some things and, and we're, we're going to address it. Exactly. And I like, I like these questions because especially when you just open it up, you have no idea what's going to come. <laughs> exactly. It could be stuff that we can answer in one sentence it could be stuff that sparks a bigger conversation we'll we'll see what uh what comes of it uh so matt if anybody does want to send us questions about things other than on twitter where else can they go like what's the facebook group they can go to to send us questions if they want to right now the best thing you can do is you go to fanboy junctions uh facebook group that's www.facebook.com slash group slash fanboy junction with a k and you know, that was the old uh, podcast I did, and I'm pretty much monitor that all the time. So if you want to come there, drop some questions, have something you want to hit us up with, that's perfect. And we'll just funnel them over to Mike and I to do on this podcast. Yeah, we uh, we uh, we've toyed around with the idea of us having a Twitter for this show, uh, you know, as we continue to grow and as people continue to listen, that becomes more of a possibility. So we'll we'll see where we get to after this episode and after the next couple of weeks. Um, but until then, yeah, let's, we've got four really great questions, uh, from the folks over at fanboy junction. So let's get into these, Matt, you've got those. Let's, let's, let's go through these. All right. The first one comes from Aaron Shapiro, friend of the show, kind of a fanboy junction, cool guy. And he asks this, he says, why do all hardcore Batman fans think Batman can beat anyone? Uh, even uh, in the comics, <laughs> <laughs> even in the comics, Batman says he can't beat Superman. And then he gives an example of people like who would win, Batman or Goku. Now I think Goku is from Dragon Ball Z, right? Correct. Okay, sorry that that is a big hole. That's in about my, all I know. 
<laughs> and, you know, we have a couple comments back and forth after that. Somebody said prep time, blah, blah, blah. And I think, uh, I think you pretty much nailed it. Like, cause he can beat anybody. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, here, here's, here's the honest to gosh. Can he beat anybody? No, but because he is the hero of the story, he has to beat the people he's going against. So yeah, it makes sense that he would always find a way to win. He's he's the hero. He's the protagonist. He he has to. It's any comic book is like, you know who else can beat any of their villains? Wonder Woman. You know who else can beat any of their villains? The Flash. It's I mean, but in terms of yeah, this idea of Batman versus Goku or Batman versus this person, it's like he's got a genius level intellect and unlimited resources. You give that person enough prep time. Yes. They'll be able to come up with a solution. Might not be a great solution in Batman's case against Darkseid, which is basically, I'm going to blow up your planet. It's not a great solution, but it's a solution. Correct. And I think that the big thing this comes from is there's a, you know, I know you're, you know, we've discussed it before. You're a little bit younger than me, next generation compared yeah. to where I am. And that Batman was kind of pretty normal up until the late 70s, early 80s. And when the Dark Knight Returns happens and you have Batman actually defeating Superman in that storyline, it comes from what you're talking about, planning, prep. He knows Superman's going to come for him. He's been thinking about it for 15, 20 years. What would I have to do to defeat this man? And he applies the plan and it works. And what they kind of introduced after that is the idea that Batman is so paranoid that he's not going to wait for you to attack him. So... Once he meets you in the Justice League or he meets you on the battlefield, whether you're a friend or a foe, he's taking notes. So and we got some of that in in BVS where he he sees everything as a potential threat. Like Batman fans are not so blind that we don't recognize like Batman's nuts. Batman is unhinged and paranoid, but because he views everything and everyone as a potential threat, including his allies, yes, when he's in his when he's at spare time, he's looking at things like, what can I do in case this person ever turns on me? And a lot of that's because a lot of people have turned on him. Um, but in the case of, like you mentioned, Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, he had had decades and decades because he knew eventually the time would come that it would come down to the two of you. Even Oliver Queen says as much. He's like, he's like, we all knew that sooner or later it would come down to the two of you. And Batman has just had that much time to prep for it. So yeah, it's it's become kind of this in joke that, oh, well, if Batman has enough prep time, he can take down anybody. Well, yeah, sure. But he's also just really smart. Yeah. And it and it's not a hand-to-hand thing. You're right. If he's at home and Superman drops into the middle of his living room and says, I'm gonna kill you, Batman's done. <laughs> yeah. But but like there's a really good story. They they based the Justice League Doom direct to DVD movie on this storyline. Yeah. And it's yeah, called yeah, yeah, yeah. Justice League Tower of Babel. Yeah. Or Babel, whatever you want to say. And it's Babel. basically you find out that the entire time he's been part of the Justice League, he has been creating plans to have to take out, kill, stop the rest of the members of the team. And those plans get stolen and used. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not a, uh, you know, he's just, he's, that's where he is. So it's not a, Oh no, the flash has suddenly turned on me. What do I need to do? Oh, I have a couple weeks. I can come up with something. Oh, hi, you're the flash. I'm taking notes immediately. I I know what 
causes you how quickly you'll make a decision, how I can use that against you, how I can do this. And he does that with everybody he meets. So yeah, it's not a hand to hand fight. I'm a super powerful. I can do it. It's like you're saying I'm insane and I've made sure I will never have to immediately come up with a plan because I've already got one, which is why when he gets a new rogues gallery or new villains come up, he's taken off guard. Like when the court of owls took him out, he had no idea what a talon was. He didn't know what that meant. So they caught him off guard and they were able to defeat him for a time. But then he does kind of rise up and, and, and win the day. Cause you know, like you said, he's a hero. Well, and, and even in that justice league doom movie, which, which I actually think is very good. Um, it yes. was one of the, definitely one of the better ones. He says as much at the end where he's like, they say like, oh, are you so arrogant that you don't have a plan for yourself? You think that you can't be taken out? And he straight up admits, no, I have a backup plan for me. It's called the Justice League because he knows if they really wanted to, if they just said screw it and threw out the rule book and said we need to get together and take out Batman, he knows he doesn't stand a chance. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the most disturbing moment from that heavy metal, the Batman who laughs is when he he gets all the have you have you read any of that the heavy metal and I have not no I've heard it's very good though yeah so the Batman who laughs is the Batman who's the villain who basically mm-hmm. gets the Joker thing and he calls in like all the Robins and Batgirl and you know the Bat family and says hey I just want to let you guys know that um you know this this I've been exposed to this gas blah blah, blah. he's kind of explained to him what's happened and Nightwing steps forward and says okay well if you start acting weird we'll be able to tell and we'll stop you and he's like no I know that that's why you're here and he pulls out a machine gun and guns them all down yeah because he doesn't want them to call him out so it's like stuff like that where you know even like you see him become a villain and now it's 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 horrible it's He's got everything ready. He's he's nine steps ahead of you as a hero. He's going to be 12 steps ahead of you as a villain. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the important thing to remember that is is I think that's part of the reason why his plan against Superman works so well is because he knew Superman was going to hold back and he knew that his plan itself wouldn't work if he wasn't willing to not hold back against him and and so he knows that once the justice league stops holding back, he doesn't, he doesn't have a, a, a snowball's chance in hell yeah. um, of making it. So let's, let's go to, so great question. That's an awesome one. And we could talk about that one for, for hours. Obviously, um, <laughs> Let's, let's get to, uh, let's get to our second question. Our second question comes from Victor De Giovanni. He's a filmmaking buddy of mine. And he says, I think Batman is like Zorro. Now he's a character that should be confined to a specific time period. In Batman's case, pre-World War II, maybe as late as the mid-50s, uh, pre-television and definitely pre-video cameras, in 2022, I find it utterly ridiculous that Batman still has a secret identity, but you can still see most of this person's face. Batman would be the first person to know that if you want to protect your identity, you need to obscure your entire face. I'd accept that if the mask made him a different face poking out from under the cowl using holograms or instant 3D printed face, but that's not how Batman is ever going to be written or drawn. So his ultimately he's saying in this day and age with the technology we have, Bruce Wayne would never be able to keep his identity secret. Um, I'm going to let you answer this because I have a really cool answer to this, but you go first. So I I have two, I have two, uh, two schools of thought on this one. We've seen this both in, in the recent take on Marvel with MCU, but even with recent stuff with DC as well, which is 
most heroes nowadays don't give a damn about secret identities. Um, it's it's not as closely guarded as it was. We've seen that with like a lot of the CW TV shows and in a lot of the comics and in the movies where they don't try as hard to hide their identity. Um, my other take on that is in Batman's case, it's not like he spends a lot of time in view of other people. Um, he lurks in the shadows. He's a creature of the night. He spends a lot of time. He, he doesn't stick around for very long. And as Bruce Wayne, he's a public figure, but he's also kind of in and out really quick. So I, I don't think there's enough of him being exposed publicly to really notice that. Also, when you take into account things like, you know, like we make jokes about Superman with his glasses, but you know, when, when, uh, when Zoe Deschanel got rid of her bangs, the one time on the red carpet, nobody recognized her. So I think it's, I think it's a testament to just how much people don't actually pay attention. Um, like, like this person is suggesting, but, but also I, I, I would also say that, yeah, sure. There is a, a bit of a suspension of disbelief um, with with things like that. Like, yeah, obviously, I mean, we there was a joke about it in the Green Lantern movie, as many things as that movie got wrong when when Green Lantern, when, you know, Hal is up close and personal with Carol. She's like, wait a minute, Hal, like, what did you think? I wouldn't recognize you because I couldn't see your cheekbones like, yes, up close and personal for an extended period of time. Sure. Yeah, it might be able to get away, but but with the way Batman lurks and maneuvers and acts and doesn't spend a lot of time up close personal and personal with people, I think it's a I think it's a bigger uh I think it's easier to accept. And but also if you look at the way that Matt Reeves has taken his Batman, where Bruce Wayne is such a recluse that yeah, that he's almost never out in public, um, then then the chances are even more minimized. But I mean, it is a fair point. And as far as the time period thing goes, you can place any hero in any time period and, and it'll work. You just gotta I mean, that's why Batman Beyond exists. I mean, you could do a version of Zoro that takes place in modern day. You just have to adjust it a little bit. Yeah. I, I I'm kind of of a couple different minds. Yes, a domino masks hires hides nothing because I did a like a I was at a comic book store for one of their little dress up things. I was dressed as Nightwing. Mm-hmm. And I remember from a distance, one of the cashiers was a guy I hadn't seen in 20 years, but I used to hang out with because he was the guy who ran the comic book store in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking up to him thinking like, I wonder if he's going to recognize me. And before I even got within six feet, he was like, hey, Matthew, what's going on? 20 years had passed. I look right. I, I mean, I'm, I mean, I look drastically different, but I'm not the. 130 pound guy I was in my early twenties, you know? So it was just to me like, yeah, domino masks are completely freaking worthless. Yeah. The flip side is this, is I have cosplayed Batman a couple times. And the thing of it is this, is that I remember making a joke about could Batman's identity really be hidden? And the first time I got the cowl and I put it on, Ryan took a step back. Really? And I went and I went, what? And she's like, she's just looking at me. I'm like, what is it? She's like, no, I wouldn't have been able to tell it's you. Like the moment you talk, I can tell. She's like, but when you're just looking at me and you're in that cowl, like, cause it, you know, it covers up the nose. It just gives you the mouth and the, and the chin. And she's like, no, I, I even standing here, it's not you. And further to that is the other day, 
I did a an appearance as Captain America, and Captain America is not obscuring the the, the mask, the helmet doesn't obscure anywhere near as much as Batman. Mm-hmm. And there were two different people I ran into who I walked up and said, you know, hey, blah blah, and they looked at me and kind of leaned forward, and I went, yes, it's me. So even though that doesn't even really obscure a lot of me, because now I'm in this hero suit, I'm partially covering my face. It's a different physique. It's a different look. It's even a different attitude. Like, I'm not trying to be weird about it, but when I'm in any of those suits, I walk differently than I do when I'm just walking around in normal clothes. And you look at, you know, I really wish they would have played with it. We talked about it in the Batman review of like having a moment where Selena Kyle runs into Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. He's nowhere near as broad. He's nowhere near as brooding. Would she even know who he was? And you're not paying attention. Like you're saying, like if somebody in a black outfit grabs him and slams against a wall and starts questioning me about stuff, I don't know if I'm going to know what he looks like. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm not looking at his jawline. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Hey, wait a minute. Aren't you the twilight guy? You're like, no, I'm going to be like, Holy crap. Is this guy? So I think there's a little bit of that where they've taken away. Like you're saying, like, Batman no longer is like, hey, let me do a press conference as Batman. And I'm walking around doing this. Now, there was a storyline a couple years, several years ago where um, Batman reveals his identity to Gordon. And he looks away and he's like, I don't want to know. And he's and he basically says, like, if I ever wanted to know, I could find out. But I've chosen yeah. not to. So there no matter what the mask is, no matter what the thing is, you could in you could find out who he was. But I think like you're saying, in general, between being, you know, fighting criminals and doing this, like you have to purpose to find this out, this per this person's identity. And even then, like, you know, it's not like the Batman, the Batmobile is this obscure car that's going to get lost in traffic. <laughs> There's plenty of other ways you could find out who Batman was aside from, I recognize the bit of his face I can see. Yeah. It's, it's the people who have want really truly wanted to find out who he is have found out. Even Joker has said, I don't care. That's not, that's not what's important about him. Um, so from, from your favorite comic, that is his real face. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Riddler says it to him in, uh, in, in, in the Batman. He's like, we all know I'm looking at the real you and hell, even one of my favorite moments in the Harley Quinn season uh, series in season two, when Scarecrow takes off Batman's mask and Joker says, don't you think I would have done that if I care, if I really wanted to now, I just know that he's just some crybaby rich kid by the way where's my goddamn electric car yeah um, yeah <laughs> easily one of the best moments in that in that show period um so yeah it's yeah it, if people if if the people in the, of that world really wanted to know they'd look into it i think they honestly just don't care but also it's a suspension of disbelief thing well and and i'll go to to the dark night let me get this straight you believe your client, one of the richest and wealthiest and most influential men in the world, spends his nights beating up people with his bare hands, and your plan is to blackmail this person? Good yeah. luck. Yeah. Like, really? It's like, what are you going to do with that information? Like, let's honestly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but again, like, 
it, it's a very valid point. It's an extremely valid point. Um, what's uh, what's our third question? Our third question actually comes from Byron R. Taylor, which I'll use his full name, even though I've grown up calling him Uncle Byron. Um, <laughs> and he says, or he asks, how do you feel about Flashpoint Batman? Pros and cons. Now, I don't think I need to explain to you who the Flashpoint Batman is, but do you want to kind of update everybody who's listening in case they don't know? Yeah, just for those of you who may have never read Flashpoint or are not aware of that story, which I assume if you listen to this, you are, but just in case. So Flashpoint is the story arc in which Barry Allen uh, travels back in time and saves his mother from being murdered, and in doing so, alters the course of, of human history because he never becomes the Flash as a result. It just it's just one of those butterfly effect things. And as a result of this, um, the night of what would have been Bruce Wayne's parents murder. Instead, Bruce Wayne himself as a child is killed. His mother goes insane and becomes that world's version of the Joker. And his father becomes the brooding, murderous vigilante version of Batman with a really awesome costume, honestly. Um, And so that's that version of Batman. The pros and cons. I mean, you know, I mean, the. I guess it depends on what you mean by pros and cons. I mean, like, like, are they saying like what's good and what's bad about it? I think so. Cause I, yeah, I think for me, when I look at something like this, it's really cool when you see the, the antithesis or the different version of your favorite hero to see a Batman who's willing to use guns, who's willing to kill people, who's willing to go over the top with what he's doing is interesting, but it's interesting in small doses. And I think what happens with any of these kind of alternate reality versions is then they just shove them down your throats. And I think that's what's happened with this Thomas Wayne Batman. Yeah. It's like now he's like, you know, if something cool is an alternate reality, well, they're going to slam it into the main one. So now he's hanging out in the DC universe. You know, he teamed up with Bane to take over Gotham to teach Bruce Wayne a lesson. And he's just like, ah, blah, blah. it just gets too much. I thought it was perfect for that storyline, but it just needed to be done. Yeah, I and I wasn't even aware that they continued um, doing more with him post yeah. Flashpoint, um, which is kind of a bummer because I do think that that version of Batman works in the world that he exists in. And I didn't need that world outside of the story arc that we got. So, I mean, yeah, what I like about it is that it is just this, it is this idea of what would happen if Batman kind of went a little more over the edge. Um, But it's not really so many cons as there are just things about it that I feel are uninteresting in the, in, in that Batman, as we know him with with the limits he sets for himself and the way he does things and kind of what his mission is is ultimately much more interesting and versatile in what you can do with storytelling saying that this version of batman is just a pissed off dad who has guns i mean okay i i've seen that story i've read that story i've seen that movie it it's a it's a neat idea. The fact that the guy is in that his connection to Batman is what makes him interesting. The fact that it's Bruce Wayne's father. The fact that it was this alternate telling of the Batman story is what makes it interesting. Not the Thomas Wayne Batman character itself. Correct, and I think that's what happens. Like I would be, it would be fun to do like a uh, 
Like tell that year one or that year three, did this version of Batman ever have a sidekick? Like tell those stories. I don't need you to bring him into the main DCU. And then now we're just, you know, just, you know, beating a dead horse. Cause we keep trying to bring him back. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was one of those, it was, it, it was great in the bubble that it existed in. I didn't need it anywhere else. If you wanted to tell more stories from that, uh, flashpoint timeline leading up to the events of flashpoint like yeah i'd it, i'd be cool with seeing like flashpoint year one or thomas wayne batman year one but yeah incorporating him into the larger dc landscape at large i i, I don't need that it, it's not it's not interesting to me yeah exactly exactly so i think that's the the, the i think we've answered that one definitely yeah i think, I think we answered that one pretty pretty cut and dry <laughs> um so let's go to this last one because this last one's a little bit long so what do we got The last one is from Robert Haley, and it says, A lot of people cite Batman's rogues gallery as one of, if not the best of any superhero. Who are some of your favorites? For myself, outside of Two-Face's, primary villains don't really draw me in. That is a weird take. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of an odd take. Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone everyone talks about Batman. Like, Batman and Spider-Man, I mean, are known for having just kind of the best arsenal of villains out there uh hands down um yeah i mean two-face is obviously a very interesting one it's a recognizable one um my personal favorite is mr freeze mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know about you uh i i like it sounds weird to say this i don't know i think the only one i really kind of like enjoy is rachel ghoul just what because if- I like somebody who is physically his equal and is intellectually his equal. Okay. Because the thing with the Joker is like, once he gets through whatever plan he has, it's over. Or once he gets past the riddles, it's done. Like there's, it's part of the fun is watching him get through that. But then I'm also like the kind of guy like, okay, cool. Now that he's gotten through that, I want to see a fight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And most of the villains he has once it comes toe to toe, like have no chance. And that's what I kind of liked about that. The Batman cartoon was they mangled everybody up or animate everybody up. So even when he got in their faces, then it became like this weird anime fight, um, which I, you know, unabashedly really enjoyed. <laughs> sure. But, I, but, but, but yeah, I think Ra's al Ghul has kind of been my favorite. And I love that he was in Batman Begins because nobody had used him before then. Um, but I think the the big thing for me with Batman's rogues gallery that puts it above so many and similar to, to Spider-Man's is that like one, there are a lot of villains that are in place because of the things Batman has done. Yeah, that, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from with that. It, it, Ra's al Ghul is a he's like Batman with a God complex. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really interesting to see. Yeah. But then some of these other villains, like the Joker is kind of created by Batman. Like he was always a criminal, but as the red hood and then getting taken out as Batman, he becomes a Joker there. There's a lot of these heroes that have like some kind of slight that's happened because they've gone against Batman and it's made them even like a super villain. And the same mm-hmm. thing with Spider-Man is how many of these characters have gone through 
horrible changes in their lives or have lost things or have tried to go against Spider-Man and it's gone horribly wrong. And now they've become what they are. And I think that that kind of adds a an interesting note to all these because now you have a hero who is partially responsible for this villain being created, but also has to stop them, but doesn't want to kill anybody. So I think there's like this weird, like, I don't want to say friendship, but a relationship that they have that's more personal because of the connection. Whereas like, you know, Superman, he fights Mongol because Mongol's this big, strong alien who comes to Earth and wants to fight everybody. Cool. (laughs) You know? Neat. (laughs) Yeah, neat. I'm glad you guys could fight and destroy worlds. But that doesn't, there's no story there besides the interesting destruction. And I think, you know, slowly they've kind of started doing that with Zod and with Lex to kind of give it more of a personal thing. But I think that is why his rogues gallery is so cool is that his greatest enemy was created by himself and is just this random dude who, you know, he faced as a two bit criminal and then created a supervillain out of or somebody like Two-Face who he probably could have helped and didn't. And he became Two-Face and now he's constantly trying to help him and trying to fix him. But Two-Face is too far gone. So I think that's where a lot of that is really cool with Batman's rogues gallery is so many of them are either an extension of him or created by him. And, and he has to deal with that. And so, and, and what I like so much about Mr. Freeze, the reason I love Mr. Freeze so much is kind of for similar things like you've brought up, but, um, Mr. Freeze to me at his core is what would happen if Batman went the other way? Yeah. Batman. And I think because part of the reason I love Mr. Free so much as well is because Batman has such an admitted respect for Victor Freeze. He always calls him Victor. He he sees him as a tragic hero more than a villain. He sees a man who was who experienced a tragedy similar to his, he sees a lot of himself reflected in Mr. Freeze. And so that's why he's always more inclined to try and find common ground with him. He, I guess he he has a weird kind of respect for him. And that's why I I get really, and and this is a version of Mr. Freeze that we didn't really see till the nineties. That was the version that was really introduced on Batman, the animated series. Prior to that, he was just an ice obsessed jewel thief. Um, which is actually uh, one of the problems I had with the animated show, the Batman was they kind of took that away. And I was like, ah, mm, I, mm." that was the thing I liked most about this character. And, and you, you went back to the jewel thief with a boner for ice. And I didn't, I I didn't need that. Um, and that's why I I really want to see them get back to that if and when they ever bring him back into the films because even as much as batman and robin sucked i still think that incorporating not only that side of mr freeze's personality but also that element of the relationship he has with batman because even in batman and robin once bruce wayne once batman realizes why freeze is doing what he's doing it ends with him saying, I'm going to have you, your wife and all of your equipment move to the lab at Arkham, and I'm going to set it up to where you can continue to try to cure her. By the way, I need your help. Like, yeah. 
like as many things as that movie gets wrong and it gets a lot wrong that was one of like two things that movie really got right and that's something i'd like to see more of because that is a dynamic and a relationship with a villain that you don't see as much of with batman you do see it a little bit with two-face um i think at times you can see it with rachel ghoul um it's it's definitely i like the villains that, that stick out the most to me with batman are the ones that he has that weird kind of different dynamic with and yeah um uh rachel ghoul and mr freeze both definitely fall fall into that category yeah because he really should be at rachel ghoul's side like everything lines up besides the killing <laughs> yeah it's it's one of those it's 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 like on paper this looks like a great business partnership but behind the scenes there's some there's some sketchy shit going on that is just keeping them apart if if either batman was willing to go that extra mile or rachel ghoul was willing to concede then yes, I think there would be a coming together. And that is an Elseworlds comic that we need someone to write right now. Yeah. Like, let me see in the comics a version of Batman leading the League of Assassins. And if that exists and I don't know about it, I'm sure there is an angry nerd yelling at me right now. Uh, that I'm aware of, there's not. And, you know, the other thing, too, that really kind of keeps him apart is that Batman won't stop banging his daughter. Yeah, he's got <laughs> to quit doing that. Like, seriously, like, like I get it. I get it, buddy. I really do get it, but you're not helping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're supposed to be villains here. I know I'm the villain. You're the good guy, but let's, let's try and keep that in check a little, man. Come on. Yeah. I get it, man. But like, you've got, you've got Catwoman. You, it's like, it's like ser- at some point, one of, one of the, one of the DC heroes has got to go to Batman and be like, can you stop, please like save some for the rest of us? Yeah. Yeah, at least at least if you're going to do that, wrap it up because your son is a prick. <laughs> yeah, seriously, your son sucks. Everyone hates your son. Damian Wayne is the worst. I will die on that hill. When I found out that they were going to kill off Damian Wayne, I smiled. Yes, yes. I hate Damian Wayne so much. Um yeah, I'm not sure since will- Jason Todd has a Robin annoyed me so much. <laughs> no, I was way more on board with Jason Todd. Like Jason Todd was just was just kind of blah. He just wasn't interesting. It, it took him dying to become interesting. Damian Wayne sucks. <laughs> Damian Wayne is the literal worst. Yeah, it's it. It was a cute short story that has like, are we still doing this? Okay, sure. I guess whatever. Yeah, whatever. Uh, fine. Who cares? Um. He's just such a prick. Anyway, we've we've deviated at this point. So, yeah. um, thank you so much, everybody, for sending in the questions. We loved we love to get them. Um, so head on over to the Fanboy Junction Facebook group if you want to drop some more there, or hit us up on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Mister Mike Shea. You can find me at Mister J Ninja. And until next time, we'll see you guys again right here on We Are the Batman. Same bat time, same bat podcast channel. Bye bye. All righty.